0: welcome to the film basement podcast episode 14 vhs this episode and if we run long enough will become a second episode this series this series of podcasts will uh be our experiences watching mark's pile of vhs actually pile isn't even doesn't even do it justice
1: and i like to tell people i got piles you stacks Um, oh do i have piles
0: So the history and how this started about is that uh, one of our favorite local video stores in the area had decided to clear out its shelves of its many decades of VHS. In 2014. In 2014. So yes, the question, does VHS still exist, is yes. Yes. Very much so. And many of these, I'm assuming, are movies that only exist on VHS. There may not have been a DVD release, uh, or Blu-ray, or even a digital copy of a lot of this stuff. And the only way to legitimately see it would be to find a VHS copy of it. We're right now at the end of summer 2014. Right. This local video store, reel to reel up in Walpole, New Hampshire, cleared out their shelves of VHS when? Starting when?
1: It was in the wintertime. Uh, looking at my notes from what I've watched, uh, my the first thing I noted was February of 2014. So, sometime in February, Do you uh, and you and uh, our friend Isaac. Yes, I'm. I'm at work, and I get a call from Isaac, and he says, "What are you doing?" And I said, uh, "I'm at work, working," and he's like. Uh, I'm At real to real, and they're getting rid of all their VHS for free, and it's crazy. And there's a lot of people here, and I, I can't carry it all. He was like harried and grip, gripped in madness. And I said, uh, frenzied. Uh, and they were getting rid of it for free. For free. For free. This is for free. Yeah. Now most people hear that and they're like, oh, who cares about a bunch of copies of Die Hard, whether they're free or or they pay you to take them? This was a video store that was that loomed large in the legend of my youth. This place had everything. My friends, they, the, until
0: this point, until this year, they. They had they'd, never gotten rid of they anything. They never
1: got rid of anything. So and if a title came out on DVD, maybe they'd replace it. Or if a, a tape broke, they wouldn't you know, replace an old copy of Gone with the Wind. But this was like everything. And they were, video, they were like a video superstore. So they got like everything that came out. A lot of foreign stuff, a lot of really obscure stuff. Do you know um, when that store opened? I believe they opened in 1985 or 1986. Okay, um, My best friend's father growing up was a traveling salesman cute jokes here, whose route was between the town that Real to Real is in and where we lived, which was like a half hour away. And he would rent movies for us because my friend and I were movie maniacs. And we've Frequented all the video stores in our town, and there were certain things we couldn't find or that we were into that he knew about, so he'd bring things back. Like that's we first saw the monkeys movie Head because nobody in our town had it, but Real to Real had it. So I always knew how cool they were, and oftentimes just even when we were living here in Keene, we would make a trip to Real to Real. And I know Isaac has driven over there to rent things that they just you couldn't find anywhere else it, here where we are locally. We have a place called Video Headquarters in Keene, which is amazing. Yep. And, and it is still great, and they have stuff that goes way way back. And you,
0: we've d- we've long discussed uh, that. Yes, there is still a need for a video store. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: We both and, use it.
0: Right. If you have a good local one, and if you don't, then it's a then then it's a sad place to live because right. you don't have any other options. I go I go to rent things because it's the best option. The yeah the the yeah 24 know, hour rental on digital is not long enough. I want to want to watch it for a week and,
1: and yeah. I'm not sure you can stream. Everything? Hulk Hogan's Rock and wrestling right now. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. You I know, check. Real to Real was always a place growing up that I revered, and never. And mostly, it was one of those things where it was almost within reach. It was just far enough away that my parents were certainly not going to drive a half hour back and forth every two days for me to rent movies. So. When I heard that they were getting rid of stuff, it was like, oh, my God, we have to go. So so when Isaac calls you up... He calls me up and I... The, 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 the alarm goes off for you to get up there. Right. I say start. to my boss, I explain it to him. And he's like, well, what are you waiting around here for? I have a very cool boss. <laughs> and uh, so I hit the road for 20 minutes, a half hour, and I got there. And he had almost filled his compact car with videotapes. I mean, on the floor, on the passenger seat, in the Hun- back seat, the hundreds. trunk. He had found hundreds of tapes. And the deal was this... They needed to get rid of all their tapes, A, because it's 2014, B, nobody was renting them, and C, they were sort of shrinking in the size of of the footprint of the store in the in the building they're in. So they needed yeah. to free up that space. And right. it, you know, one VHS is like two DVDs side-by-side side or Blu-rays. So they were just putting them all out there. And what he told me was they had been doing this for a couple of weeks before that day. Wow. So immediately, of course, the greedy collectors and us both were like, oh, think of all the stuff we could have had if we were there earlier. The regret. Right. <laughs> so he said they had already gotten rid of horror and sci-fi, which were his two main focuses. But there was still that a was- lot left. And so we both went through and filled our, our our cars with stuff, seriously. Multiple trips. Well, ultimately, it was that first day, and there were other people there too. There was this guy and his two young sons who were probably ten or eleven, who we saw I saw multiple times, and those kids were carrying like, you know, from their chin to as far as their arms could extend tapes out. So, again, part of me is like, oh, all the stuff that other people got that I didn't.
0: You could have borrowed my dolly if you'd
1: wanted. Well, yeah. <laughs> you have a nice dolly, I like my dolly. Uh,
0: honestly, uh, I have a little, yeah, little. You haul dolly that uh, if you were to load it up, it, it wouldn't carry all of the VHS that's on your floor right now.
1: There were some people who had those wire uh, wire basket dollies that you see people taking to and from the grocery store. They were filling those things up every day. Shopping carts, shopping full
0: of, carts, shopping carts full it, of the D- more VHS. or less.
1: So there were a lot of people who did that. I would go every day with two or three of those uh, cloth shopping bags that stores give you now, yeah. which are pretty much the exact right dimensions for two stacks of tapes. Mm-hmm. And I was going in every, every day. I would. I, f- I figured about three o'clock was the best time because people were still at work and. They each day they were putting out more they were going category by category through the store oh, they didn't so, uh, they
0: didn't open the the vaults for everything no they, it was it was gradually they had
1: to take them off the shelf. they had to basically take them delete them from the computer and then yeah. put them out so un inventory them, yeah, so I think when we went there, they had put out like. They had already done action and in, in sci-fi classics, horror, comedy, children's. Was about yeah. where it was at when he started. That's pretty good. Um, That's a genius business move too, because it brings people into the store. Exactly uh, every day. I, every day. And yeah. I, I felt so guilty. I'm taking like so much in my mind value out of this place. I started buying a grape stewart soda every day which was still cheap but at least i was giving them something hey o- obligation is a business model you know and, and i and i still feel like every time i drive by this place i want to stop in and buy a soda just to like thank them for how cool they were because there was a lady who worked there an older lady who saw me coming every day and then she, i got to the point where she started pointing out the stuff that was newly put out so that i could i could get to the new stuff first mm. and she let me go in the back room where the stuff they hadn't put out yet so that was really nice <laughs> uh, so anyway i was there back and forth you are special I, and I drove through probably a dangerous snowstorm to get there one day. It's like, I don't want to miss. Nobody else is going to be there today. It's madness to even go. Uh, so when all was said and done, I got about 400 tapes, that's maybe? What, that's
0: what our count was, I think. That's, that number sounds about right. I
1: know Cricket was counting them every day. And she was not – you know, she appreciates the madness. She's enjoying these as much as me. And uh, they really – I laid them all out so that I could uh, – be impressed by the bounty on my living room floor. And then ultimately I realized th- th- I need to go vertical with these things. So they're much more neatly packed at this point.
0: So uh, when I got word that this was happening, uh, we started to realize that there's a, a, a subset of movies. There There's all the movies that have ever been made. There's kind of like, there's, there's what you know, then there's what you know you don't know. Right. And then there's what you don't know you don't know. And that's the whole universe of movies. And I, there's so many movies I don't know about. But I, I, there's this subset of movies that I know I don't know about that have always been, you know, when, I, when I'd go through Leonard Malton and, like, look up movies and come across, that it was like, oh, that looks interesting. I should see that sometime. And now this is that time. Mm-hmm. The, these are the movies that, um, that me and you both think of we always saw on the shelf – the classic definition of this vhs movie this vhs night movie is it's got a really interesting box cover that you saw on the shelf but you just never seen you never seen right. it
1: for some reason or another that was the thing too so many of these tapes i looked at i've never seen i don't know anything about them but i could look at you know a fr- a fragment of the box cover and be oh it's that you know you the know? title you right s- and and when you say the title it immediately oh yeah that did you ever see it? Oh well, no, no.
0: So it's in yeah. the store, the shelf of the videos. And you probably know who's in it and who directed it because on the cover of these is you know it's basically back back in original VHS days. It was the one. It was the poster. There was a, a lot mo- of times.
1: It was the movie poster with the movie credits. Or more insidiously, it was new artwork to get you to watch something that was older and less right. marketable or interesting than you
0: think. And and, uh, and actually, ultimately, we, so far, me and you together have watched 10 movies.
1: It's been 10, okay. 10. Yeah, we did 10 movies together. You've, you've watched much more, of course, because I haven't been over your house every day. I've watched some that were of interest to me, and I've also watched some, as Isaac gets rid of his, he gives them to me, or as he watches them, he gives them to me. Right, you guys are cycling so,
0: them between each yeah. other. Yep. That, uh, and we did go over to his house one night and watch one of these. Uh, <laughs> Very
1: special. Uh, that
0: that was one I don't think I would have consciously recalled unless you had triggered a memory. It was that forgettable. Uh, that, so far in these 10 movies, uh, we both agree two of them have been good.
1: Yes. Eight of them have been not good. And my motivation in what I grabbed when we were doing this, it wasn't anything. It was... Grab movies that I never have seen but always been curious about, movies that were always on HBO in that magical era in the early 80s. It was, it was a combination of things I've always wanted to see. A few times I was like excited to find something. Some it was, hey, this is free, why not? Some it was, you know, this isn't the ideal way to see this, but it's a free way to see it again. So there were all kinds of motivations in this. And I mean, a lot of it's nostalgia, I, I must say, popping in a tape and seeing the Vestron logo or the Prism Entertainment logo or that kind of thing is, is a lot of fun because the video story And we talked about video stores on the show once before, but the video store was such an exciting thing when you were a kid and first getting into movies and you had so much at your fingertips, which is not something that's gone away, but it was a new thing then.
0: Sitting in front of Netflix with the kids or going through, you know, whatever's new on iTunes is there is discovery to be had in doing that. but the the video store experience and seeing tapes on the shelf, the f- the physically being able to pick it up and look at it there that's yeah that that'll never be replaced that type of discovery I've never heard of this movie I mean still go into the video store today it's like I've never heard of this what right. is this you pick it
1: up on the shelf and look at it and like oh that that looks horrible but I kind of want to see it right right yeah and and now this was a free way of, of and again that was another thing this is a free way to see a lot of those horrible things I never would have wanted to pay for back then
0: yep and uh, our instincts were correct uh, most of them were horrible
1: yes but yes. but As we say, now we've seen them. Exactly. Now we know
0: what that's all about. Now we know what that movie was. And that brings us, I think, to the first one. Please. So the stacks for nine of the ten. And again, like like going through somebody's personal music collection. uh, What do you feel like listening to? Uh, It doesn't matter. I picked all of these. Yeah, that's what I tell tell Tom whenever we do this. I'm like, I want to see all these, so it's up to you. Your choice. There was a lot to choose from. It came down to three, and I randomly, we flipped a three-sided coin came up with DEFCON 4. So setting the Wayback Machine to 1985, 5.5. DEFCON 4.
2: The Nemesis, a nuclear weapon space platform designed to protect America. It is 22,000 miles over the Earth when World War III explodes. The Star Wars technology of the future becomes the reality of today. For three astronauts, the mission that began in space will have its ultimate destiny on Earth. What they will find is unthinkable. Hey! It got hold of my hand! Hey, Walker! God. What finds them is far worse. DEFCON 4. A Final Defense.
0: For us, you say that title, it instantly recalls the cover of
1: that And video. I've mentioned this to a lot of other people our age, and they immediately go, oh yeah, that cover.
0: Oh, that movie. Exactly. You ever see yeah. it? No. But yeah. I remember the cover. Yeah. And that probably is the most interesting thing about that movie. It
1: started off interesting, mm. I think. Well, it's an interesting
0: f- concept to begin with. F- of course, full disclosure: uh, this was our first go-around with these. I was completely ill-prepared and did not have the right materials to make it through. Um, uh, the second and third week, I started. Pre- the, I like to say you took the coward's way out and went to sleep. I apparently I, I did dodge the bullet, and I, I think I only made it about twenty, maybe thirty minutes through. Oh, that's it. I think it was oh, only wow. that long. Oh, wow. Maybe halfway. I'm not sure. Okay. But I I was not alone. You were the you were the you were I, the last man standing. I was the sole survivor. You were sole. Survivor, of DefCon four of the three of us <laughs> yeah. uh, starting to watch that nothing happened. Okay, so the deal with DefCon four, uh, my assessment quickly is yes. that it it
1: is clearly directly influenced by by War Games. It came out a year later. Well, it's, that's the thing too is that when you look at all these things that I picked and it wasn't conscious, you can make sub sub genre piles, and there's a pretty big pile of the early to mid '80s nuclear Armageddon. Film. Yeah. Well, and, we talked uh, about the lost is, '80s
0: movies and yeah. uh, started to realize that uh, I think about 80 percent of the movies that came out of the '80s were about the end of the world.
1: Right. And so this is this is the first of what are going to be many of these that you or or I uh, certainly I will watch over the course of you know getting through these piles and getting my floor back.
0: This task, this job we've undertaken will not end.
1: No, 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 no. This is this <laughs> if 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 we and anybody this else is a out series there, of podcasts. Yeah, oh yeah. This can be a, a, an occasional little mini cast that everybody else can take a break and Tom and I can jaw on about these great or bad movies we've watched. So the idea of DEFCON 4 are three, I believe, astronauts are on a satellite, a weapons like a you know Star Wars SDI that plan that Reagan had in the 80s of arming satellites with missiles to counterattack missile attacks from other countries. Three astronauts are on one of these satellites, and World War III breaks out, and uh, everything goes south as they say, and they realize they are potentially the only people left. The last of humanity is now orbiting the Earth on a satellite, and what do they do? Um, This one very emotional man, who's essentially the star of our film, wants to get back home, get back to uh, America to try to see if his family or his his family is still alive. So somehow they engineer a, a landing or a crash of this satellite and they find that, see, the movie is kind the, of interesting up to this point. The
0: description of what the movie is about is, is infinitely more interesting than what actually happens. See, it, to Be- me, it
1: starts off and it feels like a Twilight Zone or a good, like, Outer Limits episode in concept and kind of an execution. Uh, they land on, they crash land and they hear people outside their craft and they're sort of like half buried in a sand dune. So they're digging their way out and an arm reaches in and basically pulls one of the astronauts out and, I think, eats him or something like that. So you're like, ooh, it's cannibals. Right.
0: So while they've been in space, the world has come to an end and... And what is left are... Um, chuds. Chuds, yeah, basically. <laughs> right, people have taken to eating other people. Yeah. And uh, the cover, the, the poster art is so fantastic. It is. And, and it's basically just like the old 70s Atari video games where the covers are incredibly dramatic. These beep <laughs> war, you know, warring factions of uh, one army versus mm. another, and then you put the game in. And it's it's it's, tr- it's three green blobs uh, yeah. versus
1: four red blobs. Yeah,
0: and yeah, so you got
1: to use your imagination with those. Right.
0: Things. So I mean, you've got to sell it in some way, and, and you can't sell it as a low budget Canadian war games rip off. With a lot of well, it's with, not with a l- even
1: a war games rip off. It's it's I don't know.
0: <laughs> Basically, what happens maybe. is
1: the the, the De- astronaut oh, and we should
0: say DEFCON four, of course, refers to Defense Condition four. Yes, that. Uh, When you get to defense condition five, theoretically, uh, you're in full nuclear war. Right that's
1: where the origin of the title comes from. Yes. It's not about people who have, you know, problems hearing, and this is the fourth film in a series. Right. Uh, it's, a convention, it's a convention for deaf people, part four. Yes, yeah, so you did
0: not miss yeah. DEFCON 1, 2, uh, or no, 3 no, if you know, watched DeafCon, no. 4. And if you,
1: watch Def Con, if you didn't watch DEFCON 4, you didn't miss DEFCON 4. <laughs> uh, so ultimately, this guy finds his way through the world, and it's like a Mad Max thing where it's all, you know, souped up, scrap metal cars and things like that. And some, like preppy frat boy guy runs this little fortress society. And it's, I kind of forget where it even goes from there. It's trying to overthrow this guy and save a girl. And po- is in it. And it's, you're now at the point where I've
0: long checked out. It was uh, not good. I'm fast asleep. And it, was,
1: it became less sci-fi and more about busting out or into this fortress. And it's all muddled with me, but it was really not very good. So, you know, that movie was from what? 84, 85, you said? 1985. 85. So almost 30 years later, we found out DEFCON 4... Ain't so hot, it uh, it's
0: it's it's best value is uh, is, is that artwork, is the, is the artwork, yeah, is the artwork, and uh, yeah, he that, that was an interesting guy. He did the, the Never Say Never poster,
1: really, yeah. Uh, he did uh, wow. he did some other
0: poster artwork, he did some good stuff back in the days of poster art. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Week two, yes, consisted of The Park is Mine.
2: His name is Mitch Garnett. I want you out of the park. What are you hassling me for? Don't treat me like I'm some kind of junkie. I'm a vet. I want you out of the park now. He's fighting back for everyone who was ever pushed too far.
1: Well, let's not have any stupid mistakes, okay? I don't want anybody to get hurt. And nobody will get hurt if we do everything my way.
2: He's unpredictable. Conventional. I am the individual who controls the park. It's one guy. One guy. And completely unstoppable. I am staying in this park until nine o'clock Wednesday night. We will remove him before the deadline. They wanted him out of the way. Now he's out of control. Tommy Lee Jones is a one-man revolution and he's going to war against the city of New York.
0: From 1986, made for TV,
2: maybe made for HBO. I believe
0: it was a made for HBO movie. Again,
1: one of those movies that I knew I didn't I knew I, I knew about but had never seen. I remember when it premiered on HBO, and this was when they were first getting into really producing original movies for HBO. Mm-hmm. HB originals, as mm-hmm. they used to say in the cable guide. But it was too grown up for me at the time. I wasn't interested in it really and Post Vietnam. Yes. Veteran. Yes. I picked this
0: movie solely, only because it had a score by Tangerine Dream. Right. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to see that scat soundtrack. And, uh, I w- and I wasn't disappointed. With, with the soundtrack? No, with the score, no. no yeah. It's it great music. I did make it through this movie, and I don't know if it was because it was more interesting or because I was uh, fully loaded with Dr. Pepper that night. Uh, I think that was probably more the reason. But this, um, th- this movie was
1: disappointing. It could have been good. I don't remember a lot about it. I mean, I remember no. watching it, and I remember the plot line, but it, it seemed to not... Cotto, yeah, Helen Shaver, Tommy Lee Jones. Either it didn't escalate enough for, for my taste or it didn't go much of anywhere. It's a it's a Vietnam vet who decides to stand up for the rights of Vietnam vets who are being left to, you know, wander the streets homeless or with psychological problems by Booby trapping Central Park uh, wasn't. I believe the deal was that somebody he knew, a fellow vet, had started that, like had built up an arsenal and stashed it yeah. in Central Park, right. and was going to was going to you know basically seize the park for a certain amount of time and say you know the titular the park is mine, and then to to raise awareness and then that was going to be it. But I, I believe in the case of what Tommy Lee Jones, when he initiates that plan, the police come in and it becomes like a siege and it's a media circus and all that other stuff. And uh, An attempt to call attention yeah. to these veterans. Which was veterans. A, a big issue in the mid '80s too, was the right. Vietnam vets, you know, not getting the help they needed or not being honored as much as they should have been. And right, uh, and up. we were
0: we were pretty young at the time, so I wasn't really too much aware of politics.
1: It was as, as a timely film when it was
0: made. Yeah, but. It was just a strangely concocted tale where it didn't seem like anybody had the like the motivation to like all right he right this this one vet starts up this uh, basically domestic terrorism siege of Central Park and then Tommy Lee Jones takes it over but the, yeah you don't understand why you don't know where he, he's
1: coming from. I mean he initially does it to to honor the memory of his friend who killed himself i think pardon my fading memory on this but yeah uh, it didn't make that much of an impact for me to remember a lot about it so it's basically it's you know to finish what his friend had started but i think he also sympathizes with what the guy was trying to say
0: yeah it 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 was a good attempt it was it, it was a attempt to be you know serious political social commentary but it just it was all over the place it was very disjointed our collective memories are very muddled which i Think probably reflects the uh, right the, the lack of a, of a of a good throughput on the story.
1: The emotional impact it made on us was that slight. But yes, 80s Tommy Lee Jones, uh, and that was a key video release. Key video. Got to mention that if we can. What video company? Because again. If you lived through the era and were video store junkies like we were, you start to see patterns of studio. uh, Oh, you can. Yeah, I was noticing that the other day because, as I said, they're all over my living room floor. The layout for the back cover of uh, certain companies was identical. You know, two small pictures, one big one under that, two lines under that, that sort of thing. So uh, key video and and certain labels dealt with certain studios' output. I believe key video is primarily. 20th Century Fox, I think. I think Fox had Key Video and Playhouse Video and, and some other sub-labels like that for their various films. But anyway, The Park Was Mine. The Park Is Mine. So Generically titled, I always think of it as The Park Is Mine. It was.
0: Uh, it actually was. And that was, uh, I think, Leonard's Review and in in Malton's old book was, you know, like, or This Park Is Mine. Like, what is the title of that movie? Next up, week three
2: was Carbon Copy. Walter Whitney had it all. A high-society estate furnished with a high-society spouse. Oh, you make me feel so used. A high-society position, thanks to a high-society father-in-law. I've never seen a happily married executive that was worth a damn. But with all of this, Walter Whitney still felt something was missing. And one day, something showed up. Hi, Daddy. You can teach me how to build a model airplane. I'll show you how to pick a lock. You take me to a Chamber
1: of Commerce meeting, I take you to a Third World Liberation meeting. Why are you doing this to me,
2: God? Carbon Copy, starring George Siegel, Susan St. James, Jack Warden, and introducing Denzel Washington. Carbon Copy. Any resemblance between father and son is purely hysterical.
1: This was an HBO staple. I saw it on the movie channel originally back in the early 80s.
0: Known as uh, Denzel Washington's first movie. Right. Carbon Copy was 1981
1: and an attempt,
0: and I and stress attempt, at a race
1: comedy. George Siegel is a successful lawyer, I believe. Rich rich white guy. Has uptight, uppity... Yeah. Uh, family, who he doesn't really love all that much. and But everybody's really more of a cartoon character yeah, in the Yeah, like a spoof of snooty rich people.
0: Yeah, it's not how it actually would be, but it's trying to take on these serious social issues right. in this, like, buffoonery comedy.
1: Denzel Washington shows up and announces that he's George Siegel's son, illegitimate, illegitimate son from a fling he had had many years ago. And Siegel sort of remembers that time of his life fondly and looks upon it perhaps more fondly than where he's currently at in life. So he starts to say, okay, everybody, here's my son. And it's the the society chaos that ensues. And basically he loses his job. He loses his family and all that in order to try to make good on you know a wrong he perceived wrong toward Denzel Washington he did it years ago and for me it was it wasn't funny enough as a comedy and it wasn't interesting or serious enough with the social commentary drama to really work very well it was just a wrong mix of tones yeah
0: yeah this attempt to try to take these serious issues while this slapstick comedy at times yeah at times kind of slapstick yeah re- really forced and just yeah it and that And that was another one that didn't stick either. I think we were tr- coming up the list of the movies that watched and we watched. I mean had to consciously remember what what were the ones that we'd seen? Oh, yeah, carbon copy,
1: yeah, no, yeah, and I remember fleeting images from it, but really not much more than I remember from when I was a kid seeing it on cable there's yeah, there's not there's really no interesting takeaway from it. There's a scene where someone throws open their car door and a man on a bicycle runs into it that's all I remember from when I was a kid and that's still I think the funniest thing in the movie
0: very dated uncomfortable you know, some definitely <laughs> uncomfortable uh, you know I guess it would call- be called politically incorrect now
1: but uh, it's just it doesn't but I mean that se- was sexist Yeah, uh, you know. to a degree I mean I think the race- racism stuff was the characters in the movie being racist and that's they're were- trying to talk about. No, the de- but the, the movie is not. R- it, it is dealing with an
0: attempt to deal yeah, with yeah. racial issues, but, and it is not racist. Oh, no, no, no. The, the directed by comments ma- made
1: by people. Directed yeah. by
0: Michael Schultz, who is black. It doesn't matter. But uh, it's sensitive to those issues, but I thought it was really insensitive and just, again, characters of how men and women behave together. It's done from a point of view of somebody who doesn't really know what it's like to be a rich white guy. Basically, it's well, more of an that, idea of That makes sense. yeah, of what the, the caricature of a rich white guy who has a you know, a harpy wife and yeah, that yeah, it, it's it didn't didn't work. It is billed as uh, Denzel Washington's film debut, although he was actually in other movies before that. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Death Wish.
1: His first, his debut in a major role. Yeah, as right. Not um, as a background or bit player.
0: Yeah, primarily at the time, Denzel was known as being an actor on Saint Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That was his most successful thing that he had going on. That did uh, that did come after Carbon Copy. Uh, Saint Elsewhere was '82.
1: Okay.
0: Well, the next movie. I'm going to skip, because I'm going to save the best for last of this first half of this Like episode. Vanessa
1: Williams, you're saving the best for last.
0: Yes. The next movie to talk about is American Kickboxer 2.
1: Okay, this was one we... This is a fun bad movie. This was a... Oh, this was an extremely bad movie. This was one that Isaac had picked out, and he got there before I did. He, I would have probably picked out 99% of the ones that he did. He went for the horror cult trashy stuff, which is... What I have a soft spot for too, so we we changed this, venue. So we, we usually it's my house on a Friday night. This time it was Isaac's house on a Friday night.
0: Yeah, we talked to Isaac that we were doing this, and he can, he couldn't come over because of the kids.
1: So right. we went over to his house, and, and he had his own piles. Yes, that we picked from.
0: Yes, we did pick. Right, we did pick from his piles. And to to set the setting at your house, this is a very classic experience of putting these VHS tapes into a VCR and watching them on a TV that is pretty much the TV you would have been watching them at the time. A little that small TV
1: was from ninety. Three, maybe the TV. Yeah. So it's a it's a four by three. So we're watching an old two CRT. At your house. And I must say, despite what the 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 rumor and the popular. Wisdom in quotes of VHSs. Oh yes, we should mention these this. things look good. They they have not deteriorated. A lot of these tapes play perfectly. They look great. They don't look as good as a Blu-ray or a DVD, but they're not smeary, doopy, right? Whatever. They look fine. Right.
0: The fear at the time was that VHS only had some kind of a, like a five or ten year shelf life, which is
1: boog. Yeah, easily no, thirty years.
0: Yeah, these tapes are thirty years old and they play fine.
1: And also
0: kept under the right conditions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think, think it, still it was a store that would have gotten rid of them if they were too trashed or anything like that. Yeah. And what also I'm impressed with is. I have a very low tolerance for pan and scan anymore these days. Yeah. It's um, I don't think I've come across one tape that I felt was pan and scan. And, and Isaac has said the same thing. He says, which is what you're getting at here, most of what he sees is open mat, which is it's just... It would have been masked off for the theater, and now you're seeing everything. So occasionally you see a boom mic, or shots look composed oddly with too much headroom. Open mat, where you see all the top and bottom that was
0: actually filmed, but then is masked off in the theater. For theater. So you get the square picture. So Um, the
1: experience at his house, you were saying?
0: So yeah, so for the American Kickboxer 2, which is not to be confused with Kickboxer 2, or the other Kickboxer movies, American Kickboxer 2, uh, we watched on his big high-def flat panel, which... um, it, it, yeah, I don't know if it's worth mentioning It It, it uh, let's, let's just say it did not enhance the experience
1: no although he has said because of the open mat situation he can zoom in on a lot of these things and they fill the screen and they're like perfectly composed so it's as if you're almost watching it in the theater exactly yeah wow that movie it is a movie that's made for Rift tracks or mystery science theater or a midnight show or something like that
0: absolutely yeah. and
1: I do feel like I have not missed out on
0: anything by not having seen American Kickboxer <laughs>
1: <laughs> no I'm not sure again didn't do the research before we sat down today I don't know that there's necessarily any connection to a previous film in this I did do
0: some research on these movies and this movie American Kickboxer 2 does not exist on the Wikipedia really yeah this was a hard to find out about movie so, there might be a reason for that. Yeah,
1: maybe we can add that. Well, you know, hey. We do have informed opinions. That was a thing that amused me, amused and bemused me back when we were kids, is that there would be all these straight-to-video sequels. that no Sequels nobody asked for is what I always called them. There'd be, you know, somebody got the rights to something that somebody maybe has heard of, so they're going to put out a part two, you know, that's got nothing to do with the original in, in any way other than the title. And... uh right. Why? It's and Why? it's we've seen a did resurgence have, in that they, lately they, too. Did they
0: even make money? Did the first one even make money? Bake two? To, I don't
1: know. To, but I mean, anyway. I can understand understand Sharknado two? Well, <laughs> actually, that's a whole other story. Uh, so yeah, American Kickboxer two. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad acting not good half-assed action yes um, bad 80s hair non clothes they may have been those actors may have been cast for their hair i don't know cuz it wasn't for their acting abilities maybe it was for their athleticism but you kept thinking is this supposed to be funny is this is this, cuz this is really funny but it's everybody's faces are really straight in this what was it about i don't know if i remember i can't uh,
0: recall much about it these two guys
1: who are it's kickboxers a Kathy Shower. Okay, now, now it's all coming back to me. Yes. Kathy Shower is married to David Graff, Tackleberry, from the Police Academy movies. Right. Zipline commandos come and kidnap their daughter. Yes. She calls on the aid of these two different kickboxers who are former flames of hers or husbands of hers, who I think she sort of insinuates one might be the father of this little girl in reality. And right. she pits them against each other to work for her to get her daughter back. And I believe the guys who kid- I can't believe this is all coming back to me. I believe you're, the guys you're good. who kidnapped her daughter were looking for a ransom because Kathy Shower's father, I believe she or her father, owns a major company that is worth a lot of money. Okay. And th- 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 there's a startling reveal of who's behind it all later, which we won't give away. But action and a lot of people being kicked in the face, head, and/or chestal area ensues. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Now where'd they take my daughter? My daughter? Both your daughters? Where is she?
0: They took her to Long Beach, to Savior's warehouse.
2: Savior? Savior Baruti. So Savior's got Susie.
0: Promise to help.
2: Let's just give her the money from the Chinese takeout box. Savior's blood money? She stuck her neck out for us. Let's get the band, okay?
0: This movie is actually from 1993 93 93 on VHS
1: This is a later era than I'm really interested in as far as what I was grabbing for the most part yeah, I was is, going for older movies. This does not fit head. the
0: classic definition of a VHS movie in my mind is not one that I saw on the video shelf and I
1: was pretty much unaware of it doing this VHS Fridays as we call it It really brings me back to when I was in high school Because my all my friends and I on Friday nights when we were in high school would go to the video store and rent Stupid trashy movies to sit around and laugh at and this is the kind of movie though I was out of high school by 93 this was exactly the kind of thing we would have rented and had a really fun time watching because yeah. it's so hilariously awful. Uh,
0: this is an absolute. As bad as this movie is, it I would is. absolutely recommend people watch it oh, with yeah. a group of friends. It's yeah. terrible. Watch yeah. it now. Uh, I could not say that about any of the other movies so far that we've talked about. Mm, not really. No, no. They, they're just nothing there. This one is. Yeah. Fun bad. I. It's just it's such a fog. Sitting down and watching it, we were there. I know I saw it. Um, it just it just like Teflon. It rolled right off. I can't. Can't recall having that. Nope. No, at bad action. Just not. Those guys may have been actually able to. Ha- they may have actually had the the martial arts skills, but it wasn't done in a way that made it like, exciting. No, it was just sort of
1: presented for the most part. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ninety three. What was DVD? Ninety six. Ninety seven. Something like that. Yeah. So this is later nineties. Ta- tail end of VHS. This was the laser disc era, also. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there is a series of Kickboxer movies, American Kickboxer. There's American Kickboxer One, two, and at least three. Uh, so if you did if, if there is a series of them to, to be watched uh, and we want to take on the other ones at some point, to fill in the missing gaps, if I can find them for free, yeah, sure. <laughs> so that was the fifth movie we watched. The fourth movie that we watched is absolutely the best of the first bunch. And that was the Frisco Kid.
2: When he rode into your life as the Waco Kid in Blazing Saddles, you knew you were in good hands. You may have been slightly worried when you saw him as a brain specialist from Transylvania in Young Frankenstein. But you were reassured by his constant control of the situation in Silver Street. Now he's back in the saddle again. robbed the bank! As the Frisco Kid. What do you mean we? I'm a bank robber. You are a rabbi. I'm not a rabbi. So get ready for the adventures of the greatest cowboy who ever rode into the wild west from Poland. Gene Wilder and Harrison Ford in The Frisco Kid.
1: That's a movie I'd always heard of. I came across it on. on cable TV once when I was a kid, so, flipping past, and I'm like, wait, it's Han Solo, and he's, he's got a cowboy hat on.
0: So The Frisco Kid is a movie from 1979, starring Gene Wilder and Harrison Ford, and is a movie I saw in the theater. Really? Yes, and this was one of the key movies that I put on my list of movies that I wanted to re-watch uh, this year when my mom passed away. That I wanted to go back and revisit some movies that she had taken me to see that I have... Had such vague, distant memories of oh. uh, that. Right. I know. I know that I'd seen it, and I know that I didn't see it on VHS or on HBO. I know that we went to a theater and we watched that, and that she was interested. And this is this is absolutely a mom movie. This is the kind of movie she went, intellectual, deep, really had something to say and was a really interesting take but unfortunately for the film itself came at a time when the the western was dead yeah uh,
1: nobody cared about the western and it had been what five years since Blazing Saddles so. yeah
0: and I still contend uh, to this day that Blazing Saddles really killed the western for all intents and purposes nobody could take it seriously anymore it, it was a genre to be laughed at because you know, all the tropes have been used up. Uh, there was nothing new to say about it. But turns out that's actually not true. There were interesting westerns after Blazing Saddles, uh, just nobody cared about going to see them. Right. And Frisco Kid, 1979, two years after Star Wars, Harrison Ford, in the uh, in between era of Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, before Harrison Ford had become a, a superstar, he did some interesting movies. You know, not not as the big star that he is now. This movie's um, slow. I never found it boring. Not boring. Methodically paced. It's a road movie. What's uh, it about? With the two uh, the two leads. It's uh, uh, it was about two hours, I think. Was it? Yeah. yeah. It didn't feel that long to uh, me. Uh, And directed by Robert Aldrich, who has a, a a very interesting career in my mind. He's done some some interesting movies that uh, he, he he goes back a long time. Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Dirty Dozen. Longest yard, so
1: pretty manly movies for the most part. Yeah, well, except I guess those first two you mentioned with (laughs) all ladies in them.
0: No, it. um, Yeah, he goes back to film noir. uh, Kiss Me Deadly. That's what
1: I was thinking of with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is a later career. He passed away in eighty three. So yeah, four years before. Before his death, uh, it may have been. This actually maybe his last movie. Let's double check. It's about Gene Wilder, who's a rabbi, and he's kind of a well, he's a schmuck. Uh, he's 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 a screw up, and he gets sent to America as punishment, basically, as punishment to be the rabbi at a synagogue, and he ends up getting robbed along the way. And is left with nothing and then has to make the journey and hooks up with an outlaw, Harrison Ford. And it is their journey through the through the Old West that is, encompasses
1: most of this movie. You had never seen that movie? I had seen a moment of it on TV and I noticed that in my head as a kid, Han Solo's in a Western and then I kept going. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I knew so little about it other than the title. Yep. Gene Wilder was in it. There, there's one scene in the movie that stuck in my mind that as soon as it started
0: happening, as uh, soon as I started watching it again, I, I instantly recalled it. And uh, I, I can't ruin it, but it, it involves one of our favorite character actors. I, I think you know the scene in a, in a monastery of
1: monks who have uh, taken a vow of silence. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I found this movie to be very funny, more so than. I guess other people have, but I really liked it a lot. It was a nice. It probably was, yeah, probably the biggest surprise that we've that I've had watching any of these tapes yet.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Aldrich had done one other movie after this one, uh, All the Marbles, which. Uh, oh yeah, I've I've seen that. Is a movie is, is another one of those
1: VHS movies that came out in eighty uh, one. Isaac actually got that on VHS as part of this really? extravaganza. So yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I'm I'm really interested in. His movies and uh, filling filling in some missing gaps, because he's done a lot of interesting stuff. Robert Ald- Aldrich, that is. Frisco Kid uh, has a, a character actor that you knew who turns out to be the main bad guy. Was it William
1: Smith? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a lot big in um, biker genre movies in the 70s. He's one of those... He was the guy who fights Clint Eastwood in any which way you can.
0: Right. That's how I first knew who he, he was. He's definitely one of those 70s, 80s that guys. A lot of TV credits. Yeah. He was turns out a seriously good performance in this movie. He ends up... uh, If his performance fails at the end of this movie, the movie doesn't work because it comes down to ultimately gene
1: wilder's character facing down a bad guy i guess you would call it a neo-western really it's a western with some modern sensibilities not in terms of what the characters espouse but how it's presented if that makes any sense yeah you know what i mean yeah like it's 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 the western is looking at anti-semitism and and showing the people who practice it to be foolish as opposed to the characters in the movie saying, you know, waka waka waka, where are cell phones and things like that? Right. Just, I mean, not the best way to express that sentiment, but you know what I mean? The movie
0: puts Gene Wilder's character into uh, ultimately a, a moral dilemma to save himself and right. then has to revisit that choice at the end. And, and I, again, I really I don't want to say too much about the movie because I can't recommend it highly enough to, to watch uh, and make it through. I think it's a movie that it's really made for the theater. It would look good on a big screen. Yeah, it's well shot. Yeah, it looks great, it takes its time. It's. Two hours to, to sit on the couch and watch it on TV doesn't do it justice.
1: It is available in modern formats, I should say, mm. which oh, we probably should note that as we go along if these are or are not. I think pretty much everything we've watched is.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't keep track of what's available where. Uh, but, you know, again, the fo- to, to, to try to focus mainly on the ones that we like the best, which are only two out of the ten. <laughs> Recommendations to watch at home. Strangely, Frisco Kid. The fris- and that's not to be confused, because there is a movie called Frisco Kid from the 30s with James Cagney. Uh, not to mo- be confused with the Cisco Kid. Not to be confused with the Cisco right. Kid. Uh, this movie is the Frisco Kid. That movie and American Kickboxer 2, for two totally different reasons, would be our recommendations of these yeah. first batch to watch at home. I think so. Yeah, that have uh, anything of value. Well, I think that's a good wrap-up of the first batch of these. We've got five more to talk about. One of them we think worth viewing don't give it away we won't we'll keep it in that. suspense no who knows I never you know in, in doing this I never would have thought of recommending American Kickboxer 2 for people to watch but um yeah no uh,
1: seek it out right. it's fun times like we watched last summer oh a uh, Miami Connection Miami Connection I was going to say when we were talking about American Kickboxer if you like Miami Connection American Kickboxer is up the same alley
0: Yeah, if you're a student of film and you want to fill in some missing gaps and you want to watch DEFCON 4, The Park is Mine, or Carbon Copy. um, Don't come crying to us afterwards. (laughs) We warned you. Yes, it's not our fault. This brings us to the end of the Film Basement Podcast Episode 14, VHS Part 1. We will be back with more great recommendations and experiences of watching old tapes at Mark's house. This has been The Film Basement.
1: And until next time, the bulkhead is closed.